always loved when I would talk to someone in their review and say like, what do you want to do? And they would say, I, I want your job. Amazing. Because <laughs> I want my boss's job. That's Michelle Smith. I'm Cara Duffy. And this is the Powerful Ladies Podcast. Welcome to the Powerful Ladies Podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I love when I get to use this podcast as an excuse to brag to the world about some of my favorite people, and then I get to hang out with my favorite people in the excuse of making a podcast recording, and that is includes you. Um, we met when we were both working at Supra. Correct. Which feels like 100 years ago now. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and there aren't, um, there are more women than you would think that are working in the skate and action sports space. Um, but I would say that there's only a handful of women who I have met in that space where I'm like, yep, you, you are awesome. We're on the same page. And that's how I really felt working with you. And it was really fun to have, you know, a powerful, has their shit together, knows what they're doing, woman to work with and be inspired by. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel the same. It, it was so much fun. I think that we both embraced the fact that, like, we could accomplish so much more together. Um, and, yeah. you know, we had different responsibilities, but when we came together, it was like, it was so much fun. And that, yeah. like, that powerful lady, like you starting that, like, I'm so proud of you as well. And like, it's so amazing to see what women are accomplishing in the world today. It's, it's inspiring. Yes. It, it, thank you. And it is like, there's, there's so many stories of people who no one knows about that are doing tremendous things. And when we only see the Beyonce's and the Taylor Swift's and the Amal Clooney's of the world, it seems right. very far away and like we can never make an impact. And that's just such a lie. It, absolutely. I mean, I think that's why I kind of pivoted and am doing what I'm doing is to inspire ambitious females, like how you can yeah. make a difference and how you can demand respect um, mm -hmm. in, in the world, in the workplace and in the home life, really. Mm -hmm. Well, let's jump back to tell everyone your name, where you are in the world and all the exciting things you are up to now. Okay. Um, Michelle Smith, um, where I am in the world right now is a little tiny town in Western Pennsylvania called Ligonier. Um, I feel like I've come full circle. You know, I was born <laughs> and raised in Montana. I couldn't wait to get out. And now I'm back in what is essentially exactly the type of town I grew up in. So it's kind of funny. Um, what I'm up to is I've just um, last year launched Michelle Smith Coaching. Um, which is focused on females who want to really excel in their career, um, but also need that work-life balance. Um, mm -hmm. And that's something, you know, as I achieved everything in my career, I was sacrificing everything in my personal life. And then when I had children, it kind of just was like, ah, came <laughs> crashing down. So I want to be there for women. I want to help them make a difference help them get focused on both self-advocating, you know, in the workplace, at home, 
um, and really excel in both areas. I'm so excited that you're offering this now because there's so much women can learn from you. And something that I I think made us like aligned is that we have no room for like dumb extra things. And part of why we don't have this room is because we are so committed to the other things that are happening in our lives. And there's so many times, especially in the corporate space where People want to do things and you're like, why? Like that is not getting to our objective. That is not making anything happen that needs to. And you're adding hours of work and usually money <laughs> on top of it. Right. Um, like how, how have you managed those situations and how have you um, kept your cool when you realized everyone in the room was out of their mind? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love that question because... As you know, at the end of our tenure together, um, it was definitely a challenging environment. Um, And so I think really looking at the entire picture, knowing that there's things to achieve that are much bigger than everyone in the room, um, understanding that you have to be present, um, you can't um, worry about what just happened. You can't worry about what is going to happen. You had to be present. And Mm -hmm. I think, um, a lot of people forget that, right. And they get their ego and they start thinking about like themselves. And there's so much more to creating success in the workplace. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's, that's really, I think for me, what was a constant reminder is just, Stay true to the objective, remove yourself from the situation, and um, take deep breaths always. (laughs) (laughs) Another thing that's always really impressed me with you is like the confidence that you have. Is that something that you always had, or is that something that you built up over time? You know, it's interesting that you say that. I was an only child. Um, I think my parents really instilled in me that I could succeed in anything. Um, But I also, when I first moved to California, was really timid and shy in the fact that I was from a small town, kind of that, you know, backwoods girl, if you will. Um, I really attribute, I had two incredible mentors in my corporate career, um, both male, which is interesting, but that really, really pushed me to um, pushed my limitations, um, supported me if I failed. Um, and so I think I've really developed it over time in using those mentors um, and really what I'm hoping to do for women today. And how did you end up in action sports in the first place? You know, it's interesting. I um, had just moved back from Maui. Um, and had done like six months over there just for fun, was looking for a job and just stumbled into working for an apparel company in the action sports industry. Um, I'd always been friends with people who skateboarded or Mm -hmm. people who surfed, and I was an active snowboarder. Um, And once I discovered that there was an entire um, you know, genre to be had here. Um, I really embraced it and then stayed in that industry. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that there is that turning point for you when you had kids and realized, like, I can't keep operating 
in this corporate space the way it was before because you were traveling a lot you were constantly on the go um you know there i think it's always crazy when people are asking us to fly on weekends and give up all our personal time so we can be there for that 8 a.m meeting on monday no one needs those um so like what really was that pivot point when you said i need to start exploring the these other avenues to find balance and Mm -hmm. where did you first start like was it yoga training was it just you know reprioritizing like how did you begin the process of rebalancing where your focus was yeah i mean it was an immediate hard stop in leaving you know the corporate world it was like that's enough and i took a couple weeks i'd already done yoga teacher training um and just dove into that and really embracing mindfulness and yoga and i taught for a year and i um took classes and created um, kind of events and different retreats for women specifically on how to be mindful, how to be present. Um, And then I did a stint, um, my children go to a a school here in town and I did a stint with them as the director of development, which is all the fundraising for the school. And It was something that I had never planned on doing, right? It wasn't like a career path that I chose. I just kind of stumbled into that as well. And it was like doing good for kids, right? But education is not my passion. Um, Being in that environment wasn't my passion. And I started to look at, like, what can I do that is giving back that I get rewarded for, um, but takes everything that I learned in the corporate space combined with mindfulness and yoga. And that's when it happened. Yeah. Excuse me. And then, so you, from the yoga to mindfulness and now to coaching, what has that experience been like to go into it, this new space? Um, Absolutely incredible in the sense of partnering with females and, you know, diving into what their challenges are. And it's similar, as you know, of managing people. Yes. Like you, you're you a coach in that sense. When you're managing yeah. people, you're pushing them to do bigger things. You're picking them up when they fail. Um, but they're not like when you're a manager, the people underneath you are not necessarily choosing actively for your coaching advice <laughs> where... You're just doing that because that's what you need to do as a great manager. Um, Where in what I'm doing now is people are choosing to partner with me and take my advice. And that's one of the questions I ask everyone before they come on board. Are you coachable and are you willing to get uncomfortable? Um, Are two of my kind of qualifying questions. And when they say yes, like it can be magic on how much they can learn and grow. And what kind of areas are people coming to you for? Is it career oriented? Is it like relationships, life, money? Um, Mostly career, but also that work life. So I'm focused on like really being able to focus on your career, but maintain work-life balance. And I think as females, right, um, you talk female energy and masculine energy. And as females, we have a hard time setting boundaries. So we focus a lot on that, on not only with like your boss or your coworkers or the company you work for, but 
your partner, your friends, your parents, um, really how to um, manage all those different relationships um, so that you can be successful. Well, and, and, you know, being CEO of a house is very similar to being CEO at a company. Like you can't do it alone. You have to have your team. There needs to be like standard operating procedures. There has to be. Exactly. There's a P&L. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that we step over that. um, You're not supposed to carry it all on your own back. And like you would never expect to know everything about a company if you would go to run it. So why would you ever expect to have to know everything about how the house and the family and food, like everything else works? Um, Absolutely. We're just so, do you think we're breaking through in women being less mean to themselves? And, or is that still like, where are we on the path of stepping into our power, our boundaries, and having a sense of reality of what it means to do all the things that we care about? I think there's still a lot of work to be done, unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think that the majority of women out there still beat themselves up, think that they have to do it all. I also think that there's potentially a lack of, um, you know, embracing each other. Um, still today. Um, and so I think, and that's, again, what is a huge inspiration is like breaking down those barriers um, and bringing women together. And, you know, you don't have to do it all. And it's okay when you make a mistake. Um, those are things that I think women still need to learn. Where are we going to learn them? Like, <laughs> is it is it something that we it's going to be people like you and that's the, like the, it's going to have to be something extra. Like, do you see paths for like, how do we start shifting this at a bigger level? And I don't know, maybe it's not even possible. Yeah. It's interesting. I was really um, thankful at the end of 2023, I was hired by a company here in the area um, in Westmoreland County, that is definitely a male-dominated company. Um, and they hired me to do a professional development training with only their female executives. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was shocked. Um, one of the things I really push back on is there can't be change if I'm only training the women and not the men, but at okay. least I got to make a difference in those women's lives. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's one woman at a time. In addition, I mean, I'm hoping that by Q2 of this year, I can create an online platform. So it's more of a community. I can scale it. There's only only so many hours in the day to coach one-on-one, as you know. Um, So can I scale something that is starting to help others and, you know, articles and social media, hopefully that Mm -hmm. all starts to make a bigger difference. It's always really interesting to me because I'm in this conversation all the time running a company called Powerful Ladies. Right. And I find it interesting when there's people who are like, isn't that conversation like done? Like, didn't we have the Barbie, Taylor Swift, Beyonce year? Like, are we good? And I don't think people, well, one, I think this is coming from people who have never traveled <laughs> and, and not even traveled abroad, but like haven't traveled inland 
in some mm-hmm. capacity. And, you know, it, it actually reminds me of when we would talk about the core demographics in action sports. Like every four years, it was a brand new person. Mm-hmm. There wasn't always crossover, even knowing athletes and riders and because it's a new 14 year old. And I think we're also forgetting that that's what's happening with generations of women too. It's like, it's a new 18 year old. It's a new 21 year old. And what they're, the messages they're getting are so different than the messages you or I were getting at that age. And there's things we're forgetting. Like it still blows my mind that my mother couldn't open her own bank account until she was like 26. She had, and like, you're like, that's not long enough ago. And absolutely. Like there seems to be this idea that like we've, and I think Roe v. Wade woke people up with that a little bit of mm-hmm. things that the things that seem like they've been in place forever really haven't been. They're not strong enough foundationally for us to stop talking about them. One hundred percent. I mean, I did some research um, when I was first kind of putting together what I wanted to focus on for my coaching, and I mean, it's two thousand twenty-four. And it's something like 83% of women are still undercompensated compared to their male counterparts. That's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm not like, I'm not this huge feminist that is like, women should do every job. Women should play every sport. Women should do this, do that. But women should be compensated equally. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think there's still a lot of work to do. And having a daughter, I mean, when when you enter into those conversations, it's like nothing fires me up <laughs> faster. <laughs> yeah. And because you have twins. Yes. So it's also it's like so easy to see the his versus her because they're going through similar stages, you know, whether they're at the same stage or not in that moment. But it's very mm-hmm. black and white, I imagine, the comparison. Oh, absolutely. I mean, mm-hmm. even there's you know, conversations with a whole class, call it 24 kids, half boys, half girls. And you still see at that age, the words that are associated with reactions that the females have versus the males have. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it, there's movies about it. There's books about it. There, You know, it, the list goes on of, you know, there's songs about it. So it's, it's really how do we take that younger generation and continue to teach them, advocate for them, and you know, hopefully they can continue to make change long after I'm doing what I'm doing. Well, one of the things I've been talking to a lot of people about lately is self-trust. Mm-hmm. And I see this coming up on all genders that I coach with. And it's been really interesting to see how there's so many cultural things that undercut a girl's or woman's trust in their knowing, their intuition, their gut feeling. Mm-hmm. And so it's been something I've been looking at a lot. We're, th- we're talking about doing some self-trust workshops or even a panel about it because there's so many things that we know and we're told, oh, don't be ridiculous. Oh, don't like, they're always telling us that we're wrong, whether it's about medical conditions or knowing how someone feels. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been really interesting to see however the magical algorithm works, 
that I'm getting things popping up in my Instagram feed that are showing people doing the opposite, whether it's people acknowledging when someone says, are you okay? Telling the truth versus just saying, I'm fine. Because that's a really passive way to start telling someone that you're emotional intuition is off. And like the unlearning that women have to do is at a level that I don't think we realize in the moment so much, (laughs) but in your space alone, like there's so much unlearning of how to be a professional female. Right. Right. Like, so what are mistakes you see women making to be the professional female versus how they could really step into their power? I think one of the biggest mistakes is um, trying to compete with the male persona and like, you know, embody that in yourself 100%. It's you're a female. Um And you can still be a badass, even though you're a female in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And so I really, one of the things I try to coach people on is how to balance and go between your male and female energy, right? Because both have a place. Um, And so when you're negotiating and um, you want to across as powerful, tap into your male energy. But when you're working with your team and someone had a tough experience, tap into your female energy. Um, Both need to be embodied to be successful. Um, I think the other um, thing that I think females really, really underestimate the importance of in the workplace is relationships. I don't know if you remember, but you'd be in the workplace and, you know, the male boss is like wandering around the offices, shaking hands, kissing babies, like, and females were at their desk, like getting it done. (laughs) Yes. And so how do you teach that? And how do you embrace that as a female when you kind of find it to be a waste of time? Um, but I think relationships are really underutilized in the workplace when you're a woman. Yeah. Well, and I I think that there's also, we know how much has to get done. And Mm -hmm. most of the powerful women that I have worked with are able to see beyond their own roles and responsibilities, understand the breadth of all the things that no one has decided on yet. (laughs) Like, how are we actually going to get there? What's this actually going to cost? So like, we're already thinking at a much more complex level than we've been asked to. And when we know we have to get it all done, because we have to get out the door to get either pick up the kids or get to the next thing, like there's, we know the limitation. So the, and I think that there's a, I see a swing in women having to be in that 100% productive space or else. Mm-hmm. That is so hard to like. I have to unteach all of my clients that your self worth is not based on your output. Absolutely. And it's like, I don't like that conversation of like, why aren't we walking around? Like, most people have panic attacks about, oh, it takes so much time to manage people. I'm like, yes and no, like, depends on how you're doing it. But yes, you do have to remember if you have team members, like, you need to leave room in your schedule for the people. Um, yes. 
Because relationships have built my entire life and business. Absolutely. Um, and I, I wasn't walking around shaking hands and kissing a lot of babies, but it, it mattered. Like it, it having, being able to know when I think to pause and like go have lunch with people or Mm -hmm. to even just work on projects together versus solely at your desk. Um, what are some of the, your favorite relationships or relationship stories that, um, meant a lot to you as you're building your, your career? Yeah. Um, I mean, there are definitely some great relationships with, you know, males that I I worked with, but I think some of my favorite female relationships, um, you know, as you know, I was in the sales space and so, um, having good relationships with the product people. Um, so you come to mind for sure. Um, and there's another um, person who worked with me at DC shoes forever. Um, and we had a fantastic relationship in the sense of really pushing each other because we both reported into, um, males who were strong personalities. And so we had to learn to hold our own. Um, and so we really pushed each other, um, to this day, I, you know, I keep in touch with her and we'll push each other even from afar, um, which is amazing. Um, you know, you mentioned managing people takes a lot of time. I love managing people. Um, I think that's one of the things I miss most about not being in the corporate space is like my team. Um, and those relationships, I still, to this day, like look Mm -hmm. back and think, oh my gosh, what an amazing group of people, um, that we were able to really work hard, really Mm -hmm. play hard. Um, travel the world, like all of that. Um, Mm -hmm. I loved. Yeah. I know it it catches me off guard when I have clients who are petrified about hiring and building a team and managing them. Mm -hmm. And I have to remember that for some people it's more innate than for others. Um, but there are people who were interns for me that I, 20 years ago that I still have relationships with because they showed up and worked hard. And one of my philosophies is always, once I respect you, then we can hang out together. Like you have to prove you can work first. And I think there's so many people who go friend first and I'm like, it will never work that way. How would you advise someone to build a great relationship with somebody that they just brought on board? I mean, that is such a great question. I fully agree with you on you have to respect them first. Mm -hmm. Um, They have to be willing to work hard for you and you have to be willing to work hard for them also, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And so building that foundation in the workplace before you become a friend, um, I think is very key. Um, But it's also... I always loved when I would talk to someone in their review and say, like, what do you want to do? And they would say, I I want your job. Um, Amazing, because (laughs) I want my boss's job. So um, not being afraid to backfill yourself, um, Mm -hmm. not being worried that they really will take your job someday. 
Um, and giving them all your knowledge, I think, is a great way to manage people and have a tremendous relationship. They also then learn to respect you, right? Because yeah. you're not um, you're not afraid of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The illusion that you need to be the nice boss, I think, is another lie that we tell ourselves. For like, sure. All the data says that people prefer someone who's consistent over nice. Mm-hmm. And all the people I know who are worried about being that, you know, asshole boss, like they never could be like, they're so far on the other side of the spectrum. Right. Um, that I often have to tell people to be less nice. Yeah. 100%. I, there's a joke among my friend group, like whenever they say, um, well, she's really nice or he's really nice. I'm like, Oh, that's the worst thing you could ever say about me. It's so funny. Like you are so nice, but it would never be in the top 10 words I would use to describe you because there's so many other interesting, better words. (laughs) Right. Like that's the worst thing to say about someone. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That's funny. Well, I think too, that you and I were both going through corporate careers when like our careers started at a very different place than where they, where we left the corporate space in regards to how women were expected to show up. And I had plenty of female leaders or bosses who were really leaning in on that. I need to act like a man and be tough and be aggressive and just kind of be jerks and cutthroat. And there was, it was so unnecessary. And then like, there wasn't an example often of just say well-balanced has their shit together female leader, which changed as, as like my career changed, but it was so crazy to, like you said, so many of my mentors were men. Also the spaces Mm -hmm. we were working in just, just proportionately had more men. Um, but I think I want to give credit to all the, like the great male leaders and mentors who never thought twice about having a woman at the table or in the room. And we're like, I don't care who it is. Like, we're all going to do the same work. Like, go get it. Um, Because that there had to be room for that, for that, for the shift to happen, I think from, you know, power suit, way too many shoulder pads into like, oh, we're all at the same table and we're all for better or worse wearing jeans and (laughs) t-shirts at this table. Um, Right. Like, do you remember moments when you were like, oh, like, that's what a female leader can look like? I do. You know, it's interesting in my corporate career, I never reported to a female, not once. I always had a male boss. But I remember um, the company I worked for at the time was going through um, upper management changes. And I was responsible for going up to Zoomies. um, Yeah. And sitting down with their current, um, I guess she would have been the CEO at the time, and delivering some news that was not going to be pleasant. And the best um, conversations. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) And everyone who was above me had, you know, left the company and there I was. And I remember sitting across this boardroom table from her and being like, wow, Mm -hmm. she is incredible. Um, She is you know, all female from like the way she was dressed and her persona and everything, but she was like a badass. And I, I still remember that conversation. 
And she looked at me in the eye and said, do you understand what you're saying to me? And I had to like (laughs) pull my pants up and say, I absolutely understand what I'm saying and I'm sticking to my word. And she stood up and we shook hands and I was like, yes. (laughs) Um, It was really, really a pivotal moment that I look back Mm -hmm. and think, wow, that was like one of the first females where I was like, she's, she has done it. That made me just think about how many times I, I know there are a handful of times, if not many in my career where the men who were in charge became chickens and they were like, you can deliver this news and being like, wait, what? Um, but it was right? so such good training for me. But did that happen to you as well? Where they'd be like, um, you can do this. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think part of my coaching for females is like delivering bad news, never, ever, ever run from it. Like face that head on similar with any challenge, right? Like Mm -hmm. don't procrastinate, rip the bandaid off, get it over with, and you will gain respect. And from a mental standpoint, you're healthier because you've moved on, you've done it. Mm -hmm. But yes. Well, and I think the same thing applies to asking the questions that you don't want to ask. Mm -hmm. There's so often that we don't ask our partners, our employees, a a vendor we're working with. Like, we don't want to ask the scary question that's really gnawing at us. Mm -hmm. And we don't always know how it's going to go. Like, it's scary to ask because we're worried about the 5 million possibilities that will be bad, not any that would be good. But I get so much power out of asking the question I'm afraid to ask, just as much as you mentioned getting power from sharing news that I don't want to. Because, you know, we put the words good and bad on things so often, but like all the significance we've added and what we think is like horrible news to share with somebody could be no big deal in their world. And we're like completely unraveling (laughs) because of it. Um, Absolutely. How has your training shaped how you think about the significance of things and kind of get back to how it fits in the balance of your world? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, I feel like when we were younger, we were taught to like, think about all the different ways a conversation could go. And so in your head, you're playing out all these scenarios. And nine times out of 10, none of those scenarios actually happened. And so you spent all this time creating this like mental anguish over something that never came to fruition. Mm-hmm. And I think really for me, that's where the yoga and mindfulness training came in, like how to be present in the moment, how to not worry about what is going to happen, um, because the only thing you can control is right now. And so be prepared. Um, you know, you and I used to always talk, be data driven, right? Yeah. So like, Be educated of what your conversation is about or the news that you have to deliver. Um, But don't create all that chatter in your brain um, beforehand because you Mm -hmm. can't control it. I think there's so much, uh, again, power or just like 
Oh, there's positivity and power and also just saying what you're thinking right in the moment. And I've learned from working with people who English wasn't their first language that when you don't have all the vocabulary to like spin something politically and you can just say like, Mm -hmm. you seem upset. What are you upset about in a negotiation or a, a meeting? And to just like call out what you see. One of my, my friends, when she first started working on our team, I saw her do that. And I was like, I don't know if I would have had the balls to call out the CEO on you clearly have something going on or a chip on your shoulder, but she just did it. And she did it in it. Like it was so, she was so present and just so automatic in saying it that it didn't come off in any way other than a true, genuine question like a six year old would have. And because of that, he couldn't react any other way than just answer. But it gave us so much information and visibility to what was actually going on. And we get, we try to control our words so much. And I think that there's a time and a place for it. But again, this goes back to that self-trust concept of, of ask the question, just say the thing. Like if you like see it, say something, um, because that's, that's a whole skill set we have that we tend to, to turn off or to your point, make go out of control with anxiety. Exactly. And we never really know what that other person's going through, right? Like they could have had a bad morning. Um, Traffic could have been terrible or personal issues or all sorts of things can be going on with another person. And it's having the, the presence to acknowledge that. And as you said, trust your instincts and be aware of, of the other person. Mm-hmm. For sure. The the client who had the SOS just before I jumped on with you to record this had a situation where they had a client who wants to change their rates. And we jumped right into like, how do we negotiate what those rates should be or how should I do it? And I'm like, but why do they want to change the rates? And like, well, I can't ask that question. I'm like, yes, you can. Like, you can yes. ask any question you want, but if you don't know why, you don't have any power to negotiate that. Like, are they just doing it because they were like, oh, let's see if we can get a deal. (laughs) It's a different uh, conversation than, oh, we're freaking out about this and this is all we have. Like, it's different. Like, is it a one-time thing? Is it forever? Like, I had so many questions. And I, I think, again, that's something that I so admired about working with you is, you always had questions before you ever re- like reacted, even though both of us, we could always tell, we'd be like, oh, well, they're about to lose their mind, but I don't think anyone else knows. But, <laughs> but there's so, we, we don't ask the questions out loud enough and we skip right over to fixing the problem when sometimes there is no problem. Absolutely. It's, you know, there's a start with why book, but there's so many more things to know then why mm-hmm. absolutely how, yeah. how has being curious changed your life and your path gosh I mean you know it's funny I'm an only child so I kind of always had to be curious because I was alone so like just being investigative I guess um about life I feel like in like COVID and post-COVID 
re-engaging and getting curious kind of really is what stimulated kind of this transition and moving into coaching. Um, maybe it was, you know, you could step back and not uh, not a whole lot was happening in the world. Um, and so you can invest in that. But I mean, I always tell the twins, like, be curious about things. Like, don't, don't ever stop asking questions. Um, and then I also think in you as well, but we both love to travel, right? And yeah. that just inspires curiosity on a whole nother level because it's culturally and mm-hmm. the difference in language and cities and everything. Like, I think all of that and travel had changed my life for sure. Um, my parents never wanted to travel outside the U.S. Um, my mom's never been out of the U.S. So having the ability to travel coupled with work was incredible. Yeah, the number of core memories I have that involve April Spritz in Europe with a <laughs> colleague. like Absolutely. I- I, we yeah I remember like we were in Amsterdam by the river and then we were on the roof at the hotel I'm like yeah like these are markers like mm-hmm. um I can I can map my the good parts of my life through April spritz milestones <laughs> absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely you know we've been asking everyone on the podcast like what do the words powerful and ladies mean to you and do their definitions change when they're next to each other hmm a great question. I mean, I think potentially they change when they're together, right? Because powerful is then describing the lady. Um, But powerful to me means embracing yourself, understanding your own values, your own worth, wanting to make a difference in the world, I think are the things that come to mind when I think about powerful. Um, It's amazing to put the two together. Um, And I think, you know, I think you said like your mom couldn't open her own checking account. I think back to my grandmother who, um, you know, lived through the great depression and like she was incredible. She lived to be 102 Um, And I would describe her as a powerful lady. She never would have thought that about herself, right? Um, And so having the two words together, I think, is phenomenal, especially as we forge forward in the world. Yeah. We've also been asking everyone where you put yourself on the powerful lady scale. So if zero is an average everyday human and 10 is the most powerful lady you can imagine, where would you put yourself today and on an average day? I think today I would give myself an eight. Um, I am feeling so inspired going into 2024 and all that I want to accomplish um, and all the change I want to make with other powerful ladies. So I'm going to go with an eight. Um, I hope my daughter sees me as a 10. I will say that. Um, And on an average day, I probably six. Mm -hmm. When you made the decision to move to small town Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. what what were you nervous about and what were you excited about? I don't remember being nervous at all. Like I am open for change. Like yes. 
you know, with children, it's harder because they have friends. And, you know, mm-hmm. as a preteen, things are catastrophic on a daily basis. <laughs> but I would pick up and move again in a heartbeat mm-hmm. just for fun. Um, So I don't know what I was nervous about. What I really don't like about being in a small town is the lack of available healthy food. Mm -hmm. Um, That is really a challenge for me because that's so important. Um, Mm -hmm. What I was most excited about is we live on 70 acres. Um, So nature, it's like Mm -hmm. ingrained in me. Um, Mm -hmm. And having the children being able to run barefoot through the yard and hike in the woods and all of that. Um, yeah, but yeah, I would pick up and go somewhere fun, Amsterdam. Yes, an option. And you've also, you know, community is so important to people. When you have moved, how have you created community? What has that experience been like? And has it been more challenging being in a small town, or has it been easier? Um, I think it's a little bit more challenging, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, We made the decision to move here when the kids were four, knowing that we would be able to create a community around like preschool. And so I think that's how I've developed that community. Um, I've tried to really keep in touch with, you know, all of the people that I've met throughout my career um, Mm -hmm. and stay in those relationships to have that community. Um, Because what I do and, you know, what, my husband does and the action sports world is, you know, people look at you like you have two heads almost. They have no idea about that industry. Right. So, um, that's been, that's been challenging of like really having that female kind of working female, I will say group that is like physically present. Um, Mm -hmm. I just try to maintain that remotely. Yeah. Yeah. And then what are you doing to fill your own cup up? Oh, travel, um, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, learning. I've been like so invested in learning. I'm obsessed right now with biohacking things yeah. that like different things like that I'm hoping to incorporate in my coaching. Like what are those things that you can do mentally and physically that kind of mm-hmm. push you ahead um, so that learning about that different stuff, um, uh, Jim quick is, um, like a, a coach on how you can like speed read and how different people learn differently. I don't know if you've heard of him. I'm obsessed mm-hmm. with learning his stuff right now. So just all of that, like different stuff yeah. that you post, um, different stuff that others coach post, um, just trying to constantly learn. Mm-hmm. And the Uh, occasional Aperol spritz. We've also been asking everyone, what do you need? Powerful Ladies is a big, um, capable, connected group. Uh, What's on your to-do or to manifest this year and how can we help you? Yeah. Um, I think one of the things I'm most excited about in 2024, I want to create kind of a a transformational retreat for women. Um, and so putting the word out for that, like, how can Mm -hmm. we come together, um, learn from each other, like pull in different coaches from different Mm -hmm. genres, you know, whether it's, um, some of the stuff I talked about with biohacking or, um, you know, just different things. How do we come together and then transform 
a group of women's lives so that mm-hmm. they can be more successful. Um, that's a big thing. Yeah, I love that. That is on my list for the year as well. So Excellent. I hear collaboration. <laughs> I hear collaboration. Amazing. Yeah, and I think, you know, helping me put the word out for my coaching business so I can mm-hmm. help help other women um, would be amazing. So for all the women who want the elusive work-life balance, who want to be thriving in all parts of their lives, mm-hmm. where can they find, follow you, and connect with you? Yeah, so um, my Instagram is my mindful path. Um, And that's the easiest way I have um, a free PDF on work-life balance that they can download, which then puts them into my weekly newsletter. That's the easiest way to get a hold of me. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to hang out with me and to share some of your story and what inspires you. Um, Yeah, having you as a marker in my life and a woman who I could admire and be inspired by has meant so much and i also just love that we kicked some ass and had a lot of fun too (laughs) oh my gosh i feel the exact same way thank you so much for having me spending time with me and helping me um get my word out i appreciate it All the links to connect with Michelle and her coaching, plus an exclusive discount code for her coaching, are in our show notes at thepowerfulladies.com. Please subscribe and rate this podcast wherever you're listening. Join us on Instagram at powerfulladies. And if you're looking to connect directly with me, visit caraduffy.com or kara underscore duffy on Instagram. I'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Until then, I hope you're taking on being powerful in your life. Go be awesome and up to something you love.